Welcome back inside the den. Glad to have everyone back for this jam-packed episode. I know it feels like the sky is falling uh, given this recent game. We're here to discuss it all. And with me, as always, is Chris Murray. Um, Nevada football drops a tough one against Idaho. Yeah, I mean, uh, you can't lose games like that. I mean, you, I guess, can lose the FCS opponents but not get blown out and look totally outclassed, which is what happened as Idaho beat Nevada 33-6. to I think the first kind of news of this might not go well for Nevada was when the betting line was released Saturday morning, and Idaho was a four-point favorite. Quickly bet, uh, bet up to six points, and then once they got on the field, Idaho scores a 75-yard touchdown on their first offensive play, and I think it just snowballed from there. Um, Coach Wilson has talked about how his team is still a little bit fragile. Um, I don't know that the belief is there that if they do face adversity in games, they'll be able to come out and, and fight back. And certainly after that first play, um, you know, things didn't go very well. They did get a takeaway on its second defensive play, but Nevada had to punt even though they were in Idaho territory. So from start to finish, that was just a rough game for Nevada. And certainly I think that was the breaking point for a lot of Wolfpack fans out there. When you look at a lot of the comments on social media or via email or just the general fan belief in this program and this tenure under Ken Wilson, um, you know, felt like it hit a turning point there. Nevada has 10 games to turn it back in its favor, but you know, losing to Idaho, a program you've dominated this entire century at home in such lopsided fashion is not how Nevada really wanted to home, uh, start the home schedule. Certainly. I mean, it's a, it's definitely, it feels like rock bottom for Nevada um, football. Um, you look at, you know, outlets like the USA Today and these other, other uh, platforms and they release their, you know, weekly like rankings from like 1 to 133 for the FBS. Um, Nevada currently sits at 133. So they've been uh, determined to be the worst FBS team uh, in college football. Um, however, you know, the seasons change and, you know, like you never know if they can turn it around and like, you know, start winning again. Um, but I think that kind of points to a trend within um, college football that, you know, FCF schools are starting to beat the, these bottom tier FBS. FBS schools. You look around, you know, the country on Saturday. It's it's a storyline, right? Because you know, go go to Virginia, you know, and, and a uh, typical ACC middle of the road team, but you know, it's still um, a Power Five team. They lost to James Madison, and then you like go back to up to Eastern Washington, and um, they gave. Who was it? Fresno State. Quite Fresno the State game. double overtime. James Madison actually yeah. is an FBS now, the FBS but there FBS. were three FCS teams that beat FBS teams in week two. Um, the other two losses outside of Nevada were three-point losses, not uh, t you know twenty-seven-point loss, which is a little bit different of a story. In week one, uh, the FCS was 0-42 against the FBS. So uh, Idaho's a really good team. I mean, they've got a really good quarterback. They've got two really good wide receivers. They've got a really good running back. We knew their skill positions were going to be strong. I think if you're a Wolfpack fan, maybe a little bit more alarming that in the trenches it felt like you lost that battle too. And Idaho starts one freshman, three sophomores, and a junior on the offensive line. They were also in the second year under their head coach, Jason Eck. So they were in a similar kind of rebuilding situation. They've obviously rebuilt that thing a lot quicker than Nevada has been able to do so. So like you said, 10 games left. Nevada does have a lot of winnable games left on their schedule. New Mexico, Colorado State, UNLV, maybe even Utah State. There are some potential wins out there. But Nevada just needs to play much, much better. And if you're a Wolfpack fan, there's not been a lot during the Ken Wilson tenure that has told you that this team is going to be able to play a lot better than what we've seen thus far. They started 2-0. and But those two wins against New Mexico State, they were plus 5 in turnover margin. Then against Texas State, they were plus 4 in turnover margin. It's very difficult to lose games when you have that many turnovers, uh, takeaways forced. Since then, 
uh, 12 straight losses, which is a program record. Uh, offensively, this team did not do much last year, 18 points per game. This year, only 20 points through two games. And then defensively, where we thought they were pretty strong last year in certain games, they have not been so this year. More than 1,000 yards, more than 1,100 yards allowed in its two games. Obviously, that's against USC and Idaho. Um, but way too many busts, way too much lack of discipline in terms of where the eyes were. And they just gave Idaho big plays left and right. They had seven different players on the Vandals had gains of at least 20 yards. And we know that's an explosive offense, but you have to play better defense than that. Idaho was able to move the ball up and down the field. Um, they did have to settle for five field goal attempts. So, you know, there was a little bend but don't break in there. But neither the offense nor the defense played well against Idaho. That's fair. Uh, to me, it really starts up front. You know, the main difference usually between, you know, a group of five and an FCS school is, is line play. You know, you have much bigger linemen, much more disruptive players on, you know, throughout your defensive line, including. Um, and Idaho did a good job, credit to them. They, uh, their line held up with, with Nevada's line, um, which is not a good sign for Nevada. You know, there's going to be much more talented lines that they're going to face off with uh, in the coming weeks. Um, so we'll see how those units kind of perform as, as the season goes along. But definitely, it's it's alarming to see that you know they they couldn't you know impose their will on that lesser uh, you know like level of competition. Um, another you know kind of like going back to the game um, was we talked about ball security. Um, they were giving the ball away. You know, AJ Bianco had that kind of like you know it's, it was a bad interception. You know, he kind of panicked and, and got rid of it. And you have you go to Brendan Lewis, um, kind of staring down a guy and uh, just you know his first pick. Uh, and he, for a guy who rarely throws picks during his time in Colorado, he threw a pick uh, here. And um, either that speaks to, you know, the lack of preparation or the receivers just not getting open. Um, what's your takeaway with yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, Ken Wilson said it was kind of they were pressing in those moments. I think specifically in the second half when Brennan Lewis threw his interception, he was definitely pressing. He was trying to get the ball down the field because Nevada was in a hole and they didn't maybe think they could methodically come back. They were trying to make like a 21-point play is what Coach Wilson said. Um, there was also a fumble in the second half, so Nevada did have three turnovers in that game. And, you know, that's uh, you know hard to come back from when you're giving the ball away. Nevada got into the red zone on three separate occasions. They came away with only three points, uh, one field goal, one interception by A.J. Bianco, and then a turnover on downs where Jamal Bell, uh, you know, was hit as he was trying to catch the ball right at the marker and, and was unable to hold on to it. So, yeah, it, it was kind of a disaster from start to finish. Um, you know, I thought Nevada did a really good job of getting a pretty solid crowd out there, uh, almost 20,000 fans. That's the most at Mackey Stadium um, in the last two years under Coach Wilson. And unfortunately, they didn't give anything for their fans to really grab onto. I mean, we said on this podcast last week, I thought this was a must-win game for Nevada in terms of giving their fan base something to believe in, something to buy into, something to be excited for for the remainder of the season. Because if you do lose, You've got back-to-back -back losses to FCS programs. You got 12 straight losses overall. You're getting, you know, a defeat against a team that we said you have absolutely dominated. Nevada had won seven straight over Idaho by an average of around 30 points per game. None of them within 16 points per game. So, it is rock bottom. I mean, this is the lowest the program has been since it uh, joined the FBS in 1992. So, where does the positivity come from? At his press conference yesterday, Ken Wilson said he's a positive guy. He knew there would be some difficulties when he accepted this job. That's one of the reasons he did accept this job. I don't think he thought it would be this difficult that they would hit this kind of a low so early in his tenure. 
I think everybody expected last year to be rough because of the talent that was inherited. But all the talk uh, at leading into the season is this is a much more talented roster. So if that's the case, and I believe it to be case, and, and the coaches believe it to be the case, if you're not putting a better product on the field, then ultimately it comes down to the coaching and what you're getting out of that talent. So you are only 120 minutes into a football season, but those first 120 have not given a lot of reasons to Wolfpack fans to believe that Nevada can actually go out and make substantial progress this year, which was kind of our mark. Can they get to a bowl game? Now they'd have to win six of the last 10 games, which looks very difficult to do. We don't even know if they can get the three or four wins. And obviously this week's game against Kansas is not going to be an easy one as a 28-point uh, underdog. The, yeah, that's definitely going to be a tough game. Um, you know, look, we'll look ahead at Kansas um, coming up. But, you know, that's another tough quarterback that you're facing. But kind of drawing back to just the overall outlook for, for, the, for the program over there, um, how long of a leash does he have, really? You know, because, you know, 12 straight losses, you know, and uh, Ramp was you know, brought on after he was hired. Like, how is it rare to see in season firings, or do you think it would be something where they'd ride through the season yeah. and, like, you know, probably. I don't think there's uh, any percent chance that he gets fired in season, Ken Wilson, because his yeah. buyout in the season is $1.5 million. After the season, after December 1st, it goes down to a million. Um, you know, I don't think it'd be fair to fire him halfway through his second season. Now, if Nevada goes out there and they win zero, one, or two games and they don't show progress from last year, could you see a change? Could you see that million dollar buyout paid? Um, yeah, I mean, I think the fact that Stephanie Remp was not the athletic director who hired him, that, I guess, gives you a little bit more wiggle room in making a change because it doesn't look bad on you that you picked the wrong coach. Um, I think the fact that that buyout is very low, $1 million after two years, is, is a pretty low number considering the contract was worth almost $5 million. That's somewhat reasonable. I know Nevada doesn't just have a million dollars sitting around. Um, you know, I think ultimately everybody wants Ken Wilson to be successful. This guy who gave 25 years of his life as an assistant uh, football coach and assistant athletic director to try and build Nevada up to where it's been over the last uh, decade since he left. So um, it would be a very difficult decision all the way around. But ultimately, you're going to be judged and you're going to keep your job or get extensions based on the product put on the field. And the product put on the field to date through 14 games uh, under this head coach has not been good enough. Um, you know, like I said, there are still some really winnable games on the schedule. They can still get to four or five wins, and uh, it will just require a lot higher level of play. So I think if things don't change and you see, you know, nine losses out of the next ten games, I think it would be hard not to make a change just because the fan base – would be to the point where they wouldn't really care about the Nevada football program and you wouldn't be able to sell season tickets. You wouldn't be able to get people excited. Now, is that completely fair given the situation Coach Wilson inherited with a strong senior class graduating with almost two dozen players leaving to go to the NCAA transfer portal after Jay Norvell took about a dozen with him to Colorado State? It wouldn't be the most fair thing in the world, but I do think that the timeline to build a winner has also shrunk because you do have the transfer portal, so you are seeing more immediate turnarounds in football. It used to take three or four years to get your roster together. Now with the transfer portal, you are seeing coaches come in and turn things around a lot quicker. Deion Sanders at Colorado is maybe not fair, but you look at G.J. Kenny at Texas State, who Nevada will play in game four. He added almost 60 new players, and in year one, they were very, very strong thus far, beating Baylor in the season opener. You look at um, Blake Anderson at Utah State. He inherited a mess. Year one, he wins a Mountain West championship with the Aggies. So you have been able to see these quicker turnarounds, which I think does lead to a little bit of a shorter leash for FBS coaches.
It does, and those are uh, more, you know, obviously the players, players are everything, but I think, you know, a scheme can get, can get you far in, in college football. You look at, you know, you look at the FCS ranks, you know, when, when J.J. Kenny took over at Incarnate Word, you know, they were running, you know, like a very fast breakneck um, speed type of an offense that put up a lot of points. So you have to ask yourself, if you're a Nevada fan, like, where, where is the scheme, where is the lie in, in Coach Sage's offense um, to really – Get get those points, and if you're struggling to get points against the likes of, of Idaho, then you know it's going to be another season where you feel like it's zero dimensional on the offense. So um, that's just you know things to think about. Obviously, you know you're not calling for this man to be fired or anything like that. We all want to see him be successful, but specifically at this level, you'd want like uh, a coach to come in and and bring a you know a, a distinct vision. Um, that you could see, you know, that leads to some success on the field. Um, you know, that's not to, not to say that they aren't doing, you know, like their jobs or anything, but it's just uh, people have worked with less and they've gotten, you know, more out of it. And like you said, there's more turnarounds that are happening within one to two years um, that are, you know, you're seeing people become competitive. So it's, you know, it remains to be seen. Um, for me, my main takeaway from that, like this past weekend is, you know, typically we're entering a political year. We always talk about you know, you know, the middle class uh, and how it's like increasingly you know like just separating, going in separate ways. It feels like the haves and the have-nots in college football. Like it's the the gap between there is 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 pretty large. You know, the the middle class, the your Mountain West, your you know your your MAC, your all these other conferences feel like they're losing talent like early on, and the the, the like Power Five schools are just gaining all this talent and maybe that has to do with nil or maybe it just has to do you know just the changing landscape with the with the college football. yeah but we're not necessarily comparing yeah. nevada to like the power five the usc game i think people are like okay you get a pass for that that's usc they just blew out stanford they're gonna blow out a lot of teams i think when you go and lose to idaho which is a team in the big sky which like we said you had dominated you had not lost to since 1999 um that should not be a game where you're getting blown out now, if it was a close game and maybe you make a mistake down the stretch and you end up losing, that's one thing. They were completely outplayed, uh, almost two to one in terms of yards gained. Um, you know, and like they've had a lot of winnable games thus far over the last two years because the bottom half of the Mountain West is not very good. You look at Hawaii, you look at Colorado State, you look at New Mexico, you look at UNLV. Those are teams that Nevada will play, and they need to be able to beat some of those teams, and they were unable to do so last year. So 0-8 in the Mountain West last year, now 12 straight losses, and we're not talking about them against Power 5 competition. Now, obviously, this week they're playing a Power 5 team in Kansas. They're a 28-point underdog. If they lose that one lopsidedly, it makes some sense. It's the losing the games to Idaho, to Incarnate Word, to a Colorado State team last year that was completely abysmal on offense. They didn't score any offensive points until the last second of the game, and you still lose that game you give the what game away against UNLV uh in a game that you know you you more or less commanded except for a couple of mistakes I think that's when you start to get that frustration building and I think the biggest indictment would be if they do not get better in year two uh, like I said coaches will usually get a pass in year one you look at Nevada's history of coaches in year one they haven't been good Jane Norvell was three and nine Brian Pauline was four and eight um, before that, Chris Alt was five and seven. Before that, Chris Tormey was two and ten. That's gonna, five straight coaches who did not get a bowl in their first year. But there was progress for all those coaches in year two. Brian Polian got to a bowl in year two. Jay Norvell got to a bowl in year two. Chris Alt got to a bowl in year two. Chris Tormey did not. He went from two wins to three wins, 
And that's where he started to get that pressure. That was back in the day where you got four years to build a program. That's not the case necessarily anymore. We just saw Marcus Arroyo fired at UNLV, and they did increase their win total in all three of his seasons. So um, that's why there's additional pressure, and that's why there are um, you know, some expectations that this team is going to end up looking better than last year's team. And again, we're only two games in, but I don't think you've seen that progress that is kind of required to show that you guys are heading in the right direction as a program builder. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair assessment. Um, yeah, you just look at the roster and they've turned it over. I mean, they, you know, you got the, the string of, uh, you know, Pac-12 transfers, you got, uh, you know, like their own recruiting class that they, they brought in. Now the younger guys will have to like, you know, grow into it. Um, and you could see like, a, you know, like those, those freshmen and sophomores that are on the team, they have like some sort of promise, you know, like you're, you're, uh, you're Brown from, from Minogue and you have Nate Burleson coming in as a freshman. Um, but it's just like for any reason they can't get their upperclassmen to like, you know, just, just produce, you know, I mean, the, you know, obviously the first game, like aside, the quarterbacks looked really good and then they come down to earth against an FCS opponent. So we'll see how they, how they perform against the likes of teams that they're supposed to compete with. Um, but you know, going forward this Saturday, they have a matchup against Kansas who, uh, just came off a, uh, you know, a, a physical game, but a good, um, good, uh, Good beat down on on Illinois, um, who is a you know is a talented team. They uh, they I think they were a bowl team last year. They had a mm-hmm. had a, a pretty good squad. Um, is that is that Coach Beamer? Uh, that no, that Lance that? Leopold. Leopold. That's how I call him. That's yeah. not actually how you say his name. It's Lance Leipold, but it's not really spelled that way. But he was a legendary coach from the Division Three ranks. So he was at Wisconsin Whitewater, won six national championships in eight years. He was the fastest coach in Division One history to get to a hundred wins. I think he won a hundred in like three and six during his time there. Then he moved over to Buffalo, really got that program running, actually coached at Mackey Stadium his second year at Buffalo, ended up going 0-2 against Nevada, took over for Les Miles. When that job was open, Jay Norvell's name was actually kind of associated with it. They went with Coach Leopold, and he is now in year three there. First year was a rough one. Second year, they go six and seven, so they did make a bowl. They started off really well, got into the AP Top 25, and then kind of cratered in the second half of the season. Um, This year, they could even maybe compete for a Big 12 championship. I think there are a lot of expectations there. Um, They've got a really good quarterback who's a dual-threat guy. They're averaging more than 550 yards per game, more than 225 rushing yards, more than 225 passing yards, so they're very multiple. They can damage you in multiple ways. And, you know, this is Nevada uh, defense has given up more than 560 yards per game. So going to be a huge test for Nevada's defense. And then when you look at the offense, yeah, it was very disappointing against Idaho because Idaho was known to have a really good offense, but their defense last year was not very good. So I think the thought was, okay, it's going to be a high scoring game on both sides. It only ended up being a high scoring game on one side. So I think your offensive coordinator, Derek Sage, he certainly is feeling some pressure to get this group going. Um, You know, Kansas has a pretty solid defense, so we'll see if Nevada can get going on offense. They're going to have to score a lot of points, though. I don't see how Nevada's defense holds Kansas below 30 points. So the only way this is a competitive game is if the offense is matching them, if they're getting touchdowns in the red zone, which they did not do against Idaho. They really have not sustained a touchdown drive the entire season. Their two big drives against USC, both result of 70-plus yard passes, And then against Idaho, they were not able to score a touchdown. So can they go 75 yards and score a touchdown? That's not something we've seen so far this season. We talked earlier in in early episodes about them being last year zero-dimensional. It's kind of reverting to that, you know. 
you'd like to see some progress on like year in year out. Um, but you take away those big splash plays against USC, then all of a sudden you're looking at an offense that um, you know is is sputtering out um, and not stringing drives together. And you know, compound that with them having to face uh, you know a good Kansas team this this week, then you're going to see probably see some more struggles. Um, but yeah, like you said, they're going to have to score points against this team to, to keep up. Jalen Daniels is, is is a really good quarterback. Um, you know, he's just a you know the, just a veteran guy for them. I mean, last year he started for them. Like you said, they made their way into the AP Top 25, then dropped out. Um, but you know, it's a good coaching job on their part to like you know get the guys going again and uh, you know kind of build up that Kansas program that was seen as uh, probably one of if not one of the worst. Uh, you know, teams in the FBS. Yeah. Kind of, kind of a similar position. Where I mean, at, I won power know. five schools, sure, yeah. surely. Yeah. It was kind of bottom of the barrel. It seemed like yeah. it was always them and Vanderbilt in some form or fashion. And they've been able to turn it around after basically a decade of, of winning one or two games a year. So kudos to Kansas. It shows that if you put a good coach in a tough position, they can have success. And now that's the big, you know, question for Ken Wilson is can he get this program headed in the right direction. I mean, they've got 10 more games. I think people can oftentimes overestimate one good game or one bad game and, you know, get maybe a little bit hyperbolic just based on what the most recent result was. And certainly for Nevada, the most recent result is not a positive one losing to Idaho. So the Wolfpack has a chance to respond. They have a chance to show that that was an anomaly, that they just played a bad game against Idaho and that they're going to be stronger moving forward. It's just you take the two-year sample size at this point, and there just is not a lot of proof that this team can go out there and win football games with this coaching staff and this set of players. Now, like we said, a lot of new players in the fold. Uh, you know, 10 more opportunities to go out there and disprove what a lot of people think about this Nevada football program, and we'll see if they can take advantage of those opportunities. After this game, they go to Texas State. That's an improved team, but I wouldn't say that's not a winnable game. Then home at Fresno State, a Fresno State team that, like you said, just struggled to beat an FCS Eastern Washington. And then after that, home against UNLV, a team that's not one of the better ones in the Mountain West. So there are some opportunities. It's just kind of hard to see wins or believe that you're going to have wins based on what we've seen from this team over the first 14 games under Coach Wilson. And we certainly could be wrong. You know, it's um, there's there's times in college football when when teams just start to click. Um, you know, and and you hope that uh, for Ken Wilson's sake and and for Nevada football's sake that, you know, it just everything just starts to click and what they've been preaching works and there's like yeah you know, just a unifying um, kind of effort there that you know they can string out um, good effort on all, all three phases. You know, I think if you look at it like the only real performing like you know special teams like you look at special teams and they're, they're really the only ones that haven't like you know kind of like been you know like just you know, tripping over their feet. So um, the defense needs to, you know, it should have been the strong point coming in. Um, so far, you know, look, it's it's a it's a small sample size, and USC def definitely inflates it. But you look at it, it's like around 49 points a game allowed. Um, we, we were talking about them needing to allow 26 points a game yeah. to, like, really be competitive. Um, so they got their work cut out for them. Again, yeah, USC doesn't inflate that. Um, but you'd like to see them string out an effort that, you know, all three phases of the game are just, you know, working together. Yeah, I mean, you go back to last year, I think the game where Nevada played the best during this 12-game losing streak was at San Jose State. They were like 24-point underdogs, and they really had that game in hand for a lot of the contest. They ended up losing by seven. Tyson Williams, unfortunately for himself, dropped the interception that could have, you know, kind of helped seal the game. Um, so 
there was that one spike where they kind of played above the level everyone was expecting. And I don't think anybody is saying, you know, this is what's going to happen in the future. All I'm giving analysis is, is this is what we've seen thus far. And what we've seen thus far is not a team that's, like you said, gelled, that's played well in all three phases together, that's been able to go against better competition. And even against the lighter competition, they've just struggled to close out games and to make winning plays when winning plays needed to be made. Um, you know, you look at Colorado State, you look at UNLV last year, you look at San Jose State last year. Now, there were some games where they were just straight up blown out because the you know competition talent level was so much higher, you know, last year against Air Force, Boise State, Fresno State. Those are more well-established programs, but not even be able to get wins against the lower-level programs, I think has made this team, in Coach Wilson's words, a little bit fragile in certain situations and a little bit slow to react to adversity when it happens in games. So until you go out there and you win a football game together, I think it's hard to have that belief that you can go and do it, that you can overcome mistakes and go out there and make winning plays when winning plays are required. So I think everyone is waiting for that to happen before you can truly believe that it's going to happen on a regular basis. And I think the team itself needs a moment like that where they do come together and that they do win a game and that they do have reason to celebrate to really have a belief in everything that's going on because you can do it in practice but until you do it in the game with everybody watching with the pressure on it's kind of hard to have that belief that you can rise up and make winning plays to go out there and walk off the field victorious certainly and we'll we'll see come saturday i mean yeah it's a it's a late night game 7 30 p.m um kansas is coming in they're gonna stay an extra night in reno to um, kind of like, you know, combat any travel fatigue. That yeah, they're, they're already facing. complaining about they're that, complaining. right? Um, I'm like, hey, enjoy it, man. You're going to stay in the circus circus. Enjoy it. So <laughs> are they staying at the circus circus? Know. Do you know that? Uh, we'll have to go check. <laughs> the reason that they're complaining, though, is because they're staying overnight on Sunday. That is actually considered a non-off day, and their off day traditionally is Sunday. So they're not going to be able to practice Monday for their next game. So they're going to fly back Sunday, and they're going to have to practice as soon as they land. So the NCAA has a bunch of dumb rules but there's a limited amount of practice time you're allowed in a week and that Sunday will now count as one of their practice days even though the plan was basically just to sleep here because the game's probably not going to get over until like 11 o'clock and they probably wouldn't get out of here until one o'clock so if they flew back with the time change probably wouldn't get home until like 7 a.m. so Lance Leopold who did bring his Buffalo team here which is an even further travel um, you know did voice some displeasure with the NCAA I know Kansas is going to be down uh, two key players on defense in the first half because they were ejected for targeting in the second half of that Illinois game. So maybe those things, uh, you know, help Nevada's favor. But the Wolfpack is certainly going to have to rise up. And you don't want to say, hey, if you keep it within single digits, it's a win for Nevada. But I do feel like it's kind of that game. Now, a win would be huge in telling the fan base, like, hey, you've got us wrong. You know, we can actually go out there and win games. But Nevada's never won a game since 2000, the latest numbers I have, where it's a 20-plus point underdog. They're now 0-31 in those situations. So it would take pretty much a miracle victory to go out there and win. The biggest underdog spread Nevada's ever been in a game. It's won outright, 17 points at Washington in 2003, and then at San Diego State in 2019. So it would definitely be a historic effort.